0: If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, and we're going to begin this morning in verse 11. When I was 19 years old, I was working at a Bible camp, and on a particular day in June, I met uh, this lovely young lady that I would, uh, a year from that week, marry when I was 20 years old. Within a few months of us getting married, I began uh, my first position in a church. And so at 21, I took my first week of youth camp. Now, the camp we went to, what was very interesting is you had to be 21 to be a chaperone. So, I was just old enough to be a chaperone with a whole bunch of teenagers that I had taken to camp. And what's very interesting is when you are 21 years old and a youth pastor, you have youth who are like 18 years old. And 18 year olds listen to 21 year olds. Well, 18 year olds don't listen to anybody, but I mean, the gap is even smaller. So I was forced very quickly there, especially during that first week of summer camp, to grow up. It became necessary when you're the adult in charge. As a matter of fact, I had two other chaperones, and they were both older than I was. And I had to be in charge. And I had to be the one to make the decisions and make the deposits. And trust me, right now, I wouldn't trust a 21-year-old to do about anything much less take a group of teenagers to camp for a week in another state and be the one in charge. Uh, But that's what I did, and that's what I was responsible for. And it took a lot of growing up. Well, since then, obviously, a lot of things have happened, and I'm here, and and there's a lot of history in between then and there. But I, I continue to look back on people who I went to high school with and who I went to college with, and I'm always amazed by the fact that most of them, Maybe not most, but a great many of them have never grown up. This is the year when all of us who graduated high school together should be turning 30, and by 30 you should start growing up. As a matter of fact, in my opinion, you should have grown up quite a bit. But many of them still have no responsibilities in life. They have not settled down and started a family, which is probably a good thing since they have not grown up. Many of them still do the same things that when we were in high school, got them in trouble. Uh, Maybe they were illegal for them to do then, and they're illegal for them to do now, but they still continue to get them in trouble. It still causes them problems financially. It still causes them problems with their relationships. It still causes them a great many problems that they continue to bring upon themselves. Our nation has gotten to the point where we just don't grow up anymore. This idea of adolescence is something that is extending further and further and further into life. We, we saw that just in the last couple of years with the passing of the health care law. Now you're really a kid to stay on your parents' insurance until you're 26. You know, Some of you thought, man, I'm about to get rid of them. My premiums are going to go down. And boom, eight more years. They could be married. They could have kids, and they're still on your insurance. Maybe the kids. I don't even know how it works. Who knows how any of the healthcare law works? But it, we're pushing growing up further and further back. If you think about our grandparents' generation, and I know your grandparents' generation would be different than mine, but if we go back... And we look at the generations gone by. People got jobs when they were 14. They got married when they were 15. And they didn't have marriages that lasted a week or two and where they got divorced on national TV. But they had long-lasting 60- and 70-year marriages when they got married at 15 years old. They started having kids, and they raised a family, and they had jobs, and they raised things on their farms or whatever it was. They grew up. You think about the generations that went before us in the early 1900s, and even in the 1940s, where our young men went off to war, and our young ladies went into the factories and replaced their jobs so that our troops would have the supplies they needed to fight. It's a lot different than our generation now that doesn't want to grow up, that doesn't want to take responsibility or do anything beneficial. But rather, too many people, especially young men, want to stay on their parents' couches and never take any responsibility for things in life. Well, this morning, the text that we're looking at was not written 20 minutes ago, but rather it was written 2,000 years ago, and it seems to tell us that that type of problem of not growing up is prevalent not only in society, but in our churches And so I invite you this morning, if you'd like to, to stand with me as we read God's Word, beginning in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, and I'll be reading into chapter 6. The writer of Hebrews says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings and laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permits. You may be seated. If you think about it, the things that we have been looking at over the last number of weeks as we have been going through Hebrews, and if you have not been with us, I invite you to go back and read chapters 1 uh, all the way through chapter 5, verse 11 here and kind of see what we've been dealing with and talking about. But all of this is not what I would refer to as basic theology. This is, I think, more advanced. It takes time to think about It's one of the good reasons that that many of the folks in this room will go from here to another group where they will continue talking about this message because these are very difficult things to fully grasp. Talking about Christ as high priest, talking about Christ as our propitiation, a sacrifice that has been made to God is, is not basic doctrine, but it is something that is for people who are mature for people who have invested the time to know God better. The truth about it is, we do a disservice to God when we make no attempt to grow past our elementary things. I think we, because of the time in which we live, we have become to believe that faith is very superficial. The world teaches us that faith is for the weak-minded. And though some of us in this room are weak-minded, that doesn't mean that faith is just for the weak-minded. And some of you didn't laugh, which may mean I was talking about you. I said we, not you, so I was polite about it. The things of God are not child's play. We come to God with childlike faith, but that does not mean that we remain there. As a matter of fact, the Bible points that out as sin to remain in our childish state. God's desire is that we would grow, that we would learn in our faith, and that we would become much more than what we are in the beginning. I believe that if we do not do this, we will be very easily distracted into things that do not matter. We'll get caught up. In the things going on in the world, and we will not be focused on the things of God. We will easily give in to sin and will fall for anything that comes along because we do not know better. I'm always amazed at the number of people who claim to be evangelical Christians, who claim to be Southern Baptists, and yet they believe some of the most wild and outlandish things. Things that can't be found anywhere in the Bible. And the reason that is, is because they've never grown past the infancy of their faith to a point where they can withstand things that come against them. They just give in because they don't know better. They don't know how to pick out, for instance, a good book on studying the Scriptures They don't know how to pick out good resources. They don't know how to listen to good preaching. They don't even know how to discern what is good preaching from bad because they've never grown to the point in their relationship with Christ where they can know those things and separate the good from the bad. He implores his readers here in verses 11 into chapter 6 through verse 3 to set aside the foolishness of remaining a child and grow into maturity. Let's begin as we look in verse 11. He says, about this we have much to say. What he's talking about is all of the things that we've been talking about beforehand. Many of you are teachers, and if you've ever taught in a classroom setting or a Sunday school or anything like that, there'll be times when you're teaching and you're explaining something. Maybe you've got a whiteboard or a blackboard and you're just you're going to town and you're writing and you're explaining and you're just pouring it all out and you look out at the crowd and they all look dumbfounded. They all look like you just smacked them in the face and their mouths standing wide open and they're like, huh? I've had this happen to me and I've not taught that many classes so for some of you that might have become a reoccurring thing that you were just accustomed to. It's almost like the writer of Hebrews he's he's penning this letter he's preaching this message and he comes to this point in chapter 5 verse 11 and he says you know what I'm looking out at all of you I'm looking at what I'm at what you're responding to and what I'm saying and you don't get it. He's been page after page, line after line, talking about these great, deep theologies of God, and they don't get it. He says, listen, I've got a lot more to say about this. I've got a lot to say about these things. But, he says in verse 11, it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. It is difficult for him to share this difficult theology because they aren't listening. Not only are they not listening, but their ears have become become dull. They just simply don't care anymore. I've met plenty of Christians in their walk with God where they've gotten to the point where they just don't care anymore. They've lived a long time, they've spent their time with Christ, and they've given up. They're just not investing anymore. They're not spending the time anymore to know the things of God. How interesting it is that Paul, as he gets later in his life, continues to desire to learn and to grow in his faith. Even though he is the great theologian, he is the great missionary, he is the great preacher, but he continues to want to learn. Their ears have become dull. Think about the... The word become there. That means at one point, their ears were not dull. At one point, they were listening. At one point, they were taking in what was being told to them about God, about the things of Christ. They were taking it in. They were consuming it. They were digesting it. They were thinking through it. They were understanding how it applied to their life and what it was going to do to them. And then at some point, their ears became dull. At some point, they stopped listening. You know, I think all of us, when we came to Christ, there was a time of excitement. There was a time where we really just, we, we, we wanted to learn and we wanted to understand more. We wanted to see who this God was that had saved us and what He was doing. We, we really spent the time and dug down deep. But the writer of Hebrews here says that at some point, your ears became dull. At some point, we either get to the point where we just don't care anymore. Or unfortunately, too many people get to the point where they think they know everything. It's interesting to meet people like that, isn't it? You know, people that think they know everything about God. I, uh, the book I'm working on has got a section about reading the Bible. It's kind of simple, plain but have you ever met someone that thought they knew everything about the Bible? I'm not talking about somebody that knows everything about the Bible. I mean, I've had professors that they really knew enough that they could at least convince me they knew everything about the Bible because what was I going to ask that they didn't know? But I'm talking about you meet somebody. You know, it's the type of person that believes that, for instance, you know, the book of Hezekiah in the Old Testament, they really, they really embrace the teachings of the book of Hezekiah in the Old Testament. The problem is there's no book of Hezekiah in the Old Testament. But there's people that, you know, they would jump right in. Oh, yeah, that was my favorite book, you know. I read through it three times in my quiet time last week. Well, no, you didn't because it's not there. That's, that's a scary thing to get to that point where you believe you know everything about the Bible so there's nothing else to learn. Friends, you could begin the moment you could read studying through the Bible. You could do it each and every day for every hour that you could keep your eyes open and do it until the day that you died and the mysteries of God would remain mysteries to you. You might be very proficient in a lot of things. You might know a lot about the Bible. You might be able to share a lot about the Bible. But there is no point where God expects us to stop growing. But these people, their ears have become dull. And friends, this should serve as a warning for us. These are people who had heard the gospel. They had embraced the gospel. They had loved the gospel. They were growing in their faith and something happened. And now it's to the point where the preacher here in the book of Hebrews can no longer continue sharing with them the way that he wants to because their ears have become dull. This is a dangerous place to be. And unfortunately, it may be that some of you are at this point. Some of you have dull ears. Now, your ears may have perked up upon hearing that you may have dull ears, but you have them nonetheless. For whatever reason it is, whatever has happened, whatever has went on in your life that has caused your ears to become dull, this is something you need to guard against. It's a dangerous place to be because God has something to tell you. God has something to share with you to pour into your life. And if your ears have become dull, you will not hear Him. You will pass on by as He cries out to you. You will continue on and not hear this word that He has for you. What a dangerous place to be because it may very well be like a man walking toward a cliff who is warned by someone but does not listen, you may walk off. There'll be nothing to stop you from falling. If you wonder if your ears are dull, if you wonder if you're not listening, just stay with me through the end of this message because God continues to cry out to us. Beginning in verse 12, he tells them they have dull ears, and now he tells them they need to grow up. How many times have you ever said that to your kids? I think I've said it this morning. If not, I know I said it yesterday. I can remember a couple of times. How many times have you ever said that to somebody that wasn't a kid? They need to grow up. Need to stop acting like a kid. Need to stop acting like a baby. Why do we say that to people? Because there's an expectation that at some point that's going to happen. There's probably nothing more annoying to me than an adult who acts like a child. They don't think like an adult, they don't spend time reasoning things like an adult. They want everything that exact moment like a kid, they want everything their way like a kid. They whine and complain, and they cry about everything. Why? Because they act like a kid. That's why we tell people to grow up, right? Well, this is what God is saying to us, His church. He's telling us to grow up. Look in verse 12. He says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you. They have been in the faith long enough that they should be teachers. Now, let this sink in for a moment. He's saying here that if you have been in Christ long enough to know some things about Him, you should be teaching other people those things. I don't believe here he's necessarily talking about the office of teacher. You know, the Bible describes that some will be teachers, but I believe here, since he's talking in a very general way, that he's talking about the fact that if you know things about Christ... If he is invested in your life, if he is poured into your heart, you should be teaching them to other people. Doesn't mean that you've got to be in front of a group in a classroom, but he's saying if you've got something to teach, you should teach. They didn't have any more excuses, they should have been mature believers who were leaders in their church. That's to the point that they're at. They should be leading and teaching, but look what they're doing. You, verse 12, need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. He says, on the one hand, you should be a teacher. You should know enough about God that you are teaching other people. But instead, you're not only here in the middle where you're just not doing anything. He says you're all the way over here. Somebody is having to teach you the basic things of God. This is one of the reasons that some people do not like theological messages. They don't like... Pastors who use words like high priest or propitiation or theology. Those things are scary to them. Why? Well, not because they're some super spiritual person who who they know everything and they don't need to hear it, or because they think that all you need to talk about is the blood. You know, that's the big excuse. Just talk about the blood. It's like, well, we'll talk about theology. Let's talk about the blood because there's some theology there. What it is is they don't know enough to understand what you're talking about. They don't know it. They're, they're way over here. They're still little babies sitting in their high chair, and you're having to, to spoon-feed them. You know, we're about to do that again later this year, and that's, that's a vivid graphic for me. What a great day it is when a kid can take their own hand, put it in their own plate of food, and put that food in their mouth. It's a wonderful day. But you know what? You don't stop it that day. Now, my daughter, Adeline, she has stopped it that day. She wipes it all over her mouth. She's five years old. I don't know what we're going to do. Hopefully, she's going to be pretty because she's going to need something to get past that stuff. But, you know, once your kid takes their hand and they stick it in the food and they cram it in their mouth, what do you start working toward? You start working toward a fork, right? You start working toward a spoon, correct? then at some point you hope that they can do it with minimal mess. And then guess what? At some point, they go out and get a job and they pay for that food themselves. Some of you are really excited about that day. So listen, if a 40-year-old man sits down at the table, I got a beard, so I got a little bit of excuse. If you got a beard, you understand. If you don't, you'll never understand. We keep a little bit with us for later. But if a 40-year-old man sits down at the table, sticks his hand in his food, wipes it all over his mouth, and then wants his mama to wipe it off, he better have something wrong with him, right? And there's people like that. But if you ain't got nothing wrong with you, when you're 40 years old, you better be paying for your own food. As a matter of fact, by then, you better be buying mom and dad some meals, correct? That is a sign of maturity, That is a sign that you have done something with your life. That is a sign that you are growing into who you are supposed to be. But he says the problem with these people, the problem with too many people in the church is, instead of being over here where they're feeding themselves, where they're taking care of themselves, they're still like little babies. They're still sitting in the high chair of their faith. And somebody, a teacher, who they should be, is having to stand over there and spoon feed them. friends, you didn't hire me to be your babysitter. You didn't hire me to spoon-feed you baby food because that's nasty. I mean, that's disgusting. Anybody who thinks baby food is good, I'll talk to you after the service. We'll have some counseling. That's nasty. But yet, that's what so many believers still want. They want to sit in their high chair. They want to put on their bib, and they want somebody to feed them these, these little bits of baby food. When what they should desire is to be sitting over here and somebody to bring out to them a big, huge steak. Sorry if you're a vegetarian. And sit it down in front of them and that be there. That be what they can consume. That be what they can take in. Because that's what God wants for them. That's what God has for them. And that's what those who have matured in their faith have. But most people, in my experience, they like sitting over here. They like having themselves spoon-fed baby food. They like being rocked to sleep. They like having their diaper changed. All those things. That's what they like. That's what God describes it as. God is, is upfront and honest with it. He says, you are being a child. and You need to grow up. He says in verse 13, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Listen, the Word of God is heavy. The Word of God tells us about a God who spoke out of eternity and created us out of nothing. The Word of God tells about His love for us, and while we were sinful, He sent His Son to die for us. Those are big concepts. He says, but, but most of you don't want anything like that. Most of you don't want to understand about a priest in the order of Melchizedek as we looked at last week. Most of you don't want to understand about having a high priest who died in our place. Most of you don't want to understand about Jesus who is superior to Moses and the angels. Most of you don't want that. He says you have dull ears and you want this sad life. He says but solid food... Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. There's too many people who live in this pathetic lifestyle. They remain a baby and they love being so. God demands that we grow up, but they do not want to do so. He's given us a wealth of knowledge. And... And we're satisfied. Think about the subject in school that you really loved most. I don't don't care what it was. Whatever whatever subject. Some of you that are still in school, you hate everything. But but if if you're out, you can kind of think back. You know, there's something I really liked. I had two, and they they didn't really go together. I loved the theater. And, of course, that's what I studied in college, that's what I have a degree in. But I loved math. I still love math. Math is great. Math is the solution to everything. I mean, because it's the solution, it's math. You, it, you, it's just wonderful. I love seeing people struggling with math where I can walk in and go, well, if you square this and you pie that. and yep. So it's wonderful. And it has pie. I mean, who doesn't like pie? It's great. Except for the math teacher. But um, So... When you loved something, when it was your favorite thing, it wasn't hard to go, right? Like, it was, it was really hard for me to go to the classes where they were going to teach grammar. Because I'm from Taylorsville, you all from Burke County, you can relate. I mean, this is, it's just not even appropriate to teach grammar to people in Burke County, Ms. McGee. It's just not appropriate at all. We're going to live the way we want to live. We're going to live free from grammar. But when it was math, when it was math, or when it was theater, I could get up, I could go, I would have a good time. It would be wonderful, and I didn't want to leave. And I could learn. I could learn math. It just it just came. I could pick up on new stuff and just do it. But the stuff I hated, I didn't want to do. Well, God has called us to this great love. He has loved us. He has called on us to love Him. And yet we do not want to be trained. We do not want to practice as He says here. We do not want to distinguish good from evil. We do not have powers of discernment. We just kind of go about life and don't worry about the things of God. And how silly it is, because we say that we love him, we say that he is, he is our affection, we say that he is the focus of our life, but we do not train ourselves to grow in him. You go back to thinking about your your marriage you you really honestly don't know much when you get married. you just don't understand I mean this kid's thing is you know you're balancing your finances and, and buying a house and and living with someone all the time that's not one of your siblings that you can just punch in the face. So, honestly, with a marriage, if things don't get better, if you don't grow more in love, if you don't grow more deeply, you're going to face more challenges, you're going to face more hardships, and it's going to get harder, not easier. It was easy when we first got married. I didn't have a job. Rachel took care of me. It was wonderful. Not a lot of demands on my life. I just kind of came, went, she was at work. It was nice. I went to school, took some classes. Great. Little house, nothing to keep clean. We had two bedrooms. That house would have fit in here three or four times. In this room, you know, now we got six kids. Now we got a lot more house to keep clean. I'm supposed to kind of take care of most of y'all. Life has gotten more complicated. That's how it's supposed to work. Our relationship with God gets more complicated. While it does get harder, we also grow more in love with each other. We, we see that we have to depend on Him. We have to rely on Him. We can only take shelter in Him because no one else and nothing else is going to work. We're constantly trained. But most of us don't do so. So what's he wants to, what, what does He want us to do? God always calls us to a response. Look in verse 1. He he said, grow up. Stop being a baby. And here he tells us in verses 1 through 3 to pursue maturity. He says, therefore, since all this is true, since you're dull of ears, since you need to stop being a baby, since you need to eat solid food, he says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Okay, that seems simple enough, right? Leave, stop being a baby and grow up. Easy enough. But he complicates things. And he complicates things greatly in the next line. He says, Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Okay, that one's pretty basic. It's really basic to know that you need to repent of your sins and have faith in God. If you've not got there yet, if you've never turned from your sin, if you've never abandoned your sin, turning to Christ, then you have no hope. There there is no salvation. There's nothing to grow into because that's, that's the foundation. That's it. Then he says here, he says... Instruction about washings or about baptism, so you need to be baptized. It says laying on of hands, a type of, of prayer here, but then he gets into <clears throat> to me what is difficult. He says the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Repentance and faith, washings and laying on of hands, these are basic things, but the resurrection and eternal judgment are not basic things. And listen, friends, what he's telling us is that for most of us, we're not even as close to mature as we think we are. He says that the resurrection of the dead is an elementary concept. The fact that God is going to raise us up That when we experience death here, it is not permanent because we will be raised with him. He says that's an elementary concept. He says that the judgment, the judgment is an elementary concept. Friends, you want to talk about two issues that you could spend the rest of your life trying to figure out? How does God bring dead people back to life? And what is, how does God give out judgment? How does that work? What does it, it look like? What does it look like? He says those are basic principles. Basic. He says you should be far beyond that. Imagine that. You should be far beyond the idea of repentance. You should be far beyond the idea of a basic faith. You should be far beyond baptism and the laying on of hands. You should be far beyond the judgment, eternal judgment, and the resurrection of the dead. I would say that if we went around this room this morning, and you'd need to take a pop quiz. We've had a school theme today, I guess. Take a pop quiz on these six issues, they would cause all of us some major turmoil, especially if they're open-ended questions, where you got to write them out, and they weren't multiple choice. Because I tell you what, those last two right there, those weigh heavy on my heart. One with joy, thinking about the fact that God is going to raise us from the dead, that he is going to give us new life, eternal life. The Bible describes that when we are resurrected, it is not some spiritual thing where we are off in the clouds somewhere playing our heart with our wings, but he resurrects our body. The Bible describes bodies coming out of the ocean, people that have been cast far off being brought back together and raised with God. Friends, that's a big issue. An eternal judgment. That God judges us in Him to be forgiven. And we are judged eternally with Him. But some are judged eternally separated from Him in hell because of their sin. Friends, that's a big issue. And the writer of Hebrews says it's, it's basic. It's elementary. You need to be understanding further than that. You need to be going further than that. And you're thinking about God and you're studying His Word. Most Christians are one of two things. They're either scared of theology or they believe it's unimportant. I'll tell you first, if you think it's unimportant, you need to remedy that. If you're scared of theology, that's well-founded. Theology is difficult. It's hard. But theology is just the study of God. Our understanding of Him and who He is. It is no wonder to me that so many people who claim the name of Christ fall into a false gospel. They believe something that isn't true. No wonder the Mormon church is growing. You know who they get most? You know who goes to join the Mormon church most? Southern Baptists. It's because most of the people in this room don't have a strong enough basis of theology. Nobody's ever taught it to you. Nobody's ever shared with you the deeper things of Christ. Those are the things that prevent you from going off into these false religions. No wonder there's so many Baptists that listen and enjoy preaching from people like a Joe Osteen who preaches that there's no hell. There's no judgment. We're all good. Everything's great. Listen, it's not great. We have a sin problem. You have a sin problem. I have a sin problem. We have disobeyed God and we need a relationship with Him. We need Him to save us from our sin, not to go and try to be good enough that He's going to let us in one day and pat us on the back and tell us we did a good job. It's not what's going to happen. Apart from Him, we have no hope. Baptists who listen to a preacher like Rob Bell who says there's no hell, that there's no judgment, that God in the end is he's going to win out. And yes, that's true, but it's not in the way that He thinks. There's people who say that they're Christians and they believe that God didn't create the universe, but rather it was billions of years ago, a big bang that set these things in motion and somehow we just happened to evolve. It's not surprising that we've gotten to a point, even in our churches, where sin is dismissed and judgment is minimalized. Why? Well, it's because the church is full of children i got a row full of them sitting back there. I'll tell them not to do something today. Guess what they'll do tomorrow? Same thing. It doesn't matter how forceful my judgment is. They have a short attention span. They have a short memory span. They just just forget it. They forget about it. It's not important. Tomorrow is a, a new day and everything is wiped away. That's what our churches have become. Since our churches are full of children, then we do not worry that much about sin. We do not worry about judgment because children do not think about those things. They do not think about sin very often. They definitely don't think about the the life to come. They don't think about they, they have their lives ahead of them. They're not thinking about the next life. And so if our churches become full of spiritually immature people, that's what they'll look like. Friends, we need to understand this morning that if you do not have a desire to mature in your faith, you do not have the faith that the Bible speaks of. If you do not have a desire to mature in your faith, you do not have the faith of the Scriptures. There is no such thing as we've tried to make it here in our country as a cultural Christianity. There is no such thing as salvation through your parents or your grandparents. There is no such thing as salvation to be found sitting in the pews of this building or the one over there or any other building in our community. It is not available to you. Our hope is only found in Christ. And so if we're going to follow Him, and if we're going to say that we are His followers, it means that we are desiring to go deeper with Him. There's no other exception. There's no Christian retirement age. There's no Christian begin-to-work age. You don't all of a sudden become old enough to start learning about Christ, and you never get old enough to check out of your relationship with Him. It doesn't happen at 63 or 65 or 66 or 95 or 115. It does not happen. He does not give you a pass to check out. It's always the interesting thing about preachers. I hear about them all the time retiring from pastoring. But I have met almost none who retire from preaching. They might be hobbled over. They might be about to die. As a matter of fact... Where I just moved from, there was one who who literally died after preaching. He had cancer so bad that they held him up as he preached, and he got done preaching and died. His desire was to continue growing in Christ. If you have the desire to check out, you really need to check your faith, because I can't find it described anywhere in the Scriptures. You know, when someone doesn't grow up in in physically, when someone doesn't grow physically, it's it's always because of a medical condition. And I was watching some some news videos online of these people who have this medical condition. And they're all very rare. Maybe maybe 30 people ever in the world have had this condition. And what happens is that you just you just stop growing. You just get to a point where you just, you stop. Someone could be 40 years old, and, and they would look like they're a child. Well, science is trying to explain why that happens, because it's not normal. It's not the way it's supposed to happen. See, children are supposed to be born and at that moment begin to grow. And at some point they grow and they can walk and at some point they can talk and at some point they they go off to school and at some point they graduate and they get married and they start a family and the whole cycle starts over. But they're not supposed to remain little kids. And when they do, what happens is that most of them don't live very long because their medical ailments are so severe. They require round-the-clock care. They have to be taken care of just like the age that they appear to be instead of the age that they actually are. Friends, that might be a rarity in the world, but it is common in the church. They might not have a name for it. They might be trying to come up with the proper uh, description of the condition, but the Bible describes it very plainly. And friends, way too many people suffer from it. See, growing up is a natural part of the process. If you're born again... If God gives you new life, then you can't not grow. See, one thing that we mistaken of what the Bible says is we make it out to be like, well, this is just, this is something that, that could happen. You know, it happens commonly to believers. It's, it's, it's something that just, it comes up. No, what the Bible says is that if you're not growing, you haven't been born again. Think about that. Because a lot of people want to sugarcoat it and pat you on the back and tell you to get on your way and you can start growing now. If you're not growing, something's wrong. Because those who have been born again grow. And sometimes they don't grow as fast as, as their preacher would like or as they would like or as their family would like. Sometimes it's a long, drawn-out process. But, but if you charted it out, You know, like our kids, when we put them up against the doorpost and we mark how much they're growing, from one time to the next, there's going to be growth because that's a result of being born again. And it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop at the end of puberty. You know, most of us now, we stop growing up and start growing out. But God, that was funny. Again, y'all didn't laugh because that's some of you. That's me too. God wants us to grow. And we grow up. And we grow up. And look what he says, verse 3, end of this section. And this we will do if God permits. See, the reason it's so insulting to God when his children or those who claim to be his children don't grow is because he's the gardener. He's the one who has fertilized the soil. He is the one who has planted the seeds. He is the one who is growing it. He is the parent who gave you life. He was with you when you were born. Matter of fact, he caused it to happen. And spiritually, God was there spoon-feeding you. When you needed that milk, when you needed that baby food, God was there, and he was rocking you to sleep, and he was changing your diaper, but he doesn't expect to do it forever. Because he has made you, and he wants you to mature. Because when you mature, you become a teacher. And when you become a teacher, you share the good news with people and you make new disciples and they come to faith in Christ and they grow into maturity and they become teachers and the cycle keeps going and going and the world has reached for Christ. But if you stay in the high chair, never doing anything, you're never going to grow. You're never going to be useful for the kingdom. You're never going to be impactful for the gospel. You're never going to share your faith. You're never going to teach anybody. People will not hear. People will not come to Christ. And friends, people will die and go to hell. That's what happens. I'm not being overly dramatic. I'm sharing with you what God's word says. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, God, we are, God, we're always grateful that we're able to come into your house. And God, we're always grateful for your word. What a gift it is to us that we have heard from you. And God, this morning, you're calling us to grow up. It's a message for each and every person here. God, some have become mature. They've moved past these elementary things, and God, they're growing toward you, and you call them to continue growing. But God, there are also many who have never left the starting blocks of their faith. They have never passed beyond their infancy in their relationship with you. And God, you're calling them to put down these elementary things that so entangle them and grow into maturity. To leave the milk and eat solid food, to, to grow up. God, what a radical thing it could be in our fellowship to have, God, a family full of people who are growing in their relationship with you. God, it's a simple proposition, but God, it is so difficult. And Lord, I just pray that during this time, God, as we have the opportunity to respond to your word, that you you would speak. God, you would speak to people all over this room who need to grow up in their faith. God, whether they are young or old, whatever it is, God, that you would speak to them and that they would mature. God, help each one of us to set aside the elementary principles. God, we know we have to repent. We know, God, we need to have faith and be baptized and pray. God, we we embrace your resurrection, the promise of life we have in you, and the eternal judgment that is ahead, God, but we want to go further. And so that is my prayer this morning. That you'll call each person here to mature in their faith, trusting in you. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. and That you give us life, and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me. Uh, this morning, as we have this time of response, I would just encourage you that if you don't know Christ that today is the day that He is calling you today is the day that He says that you can turn from your sin repent from your dead works as the text we had this morning calls it and believe in Him but if you do believe and you're not growing you need God to do something for you this morning you need Him to do something in your heart you need him to take your dull ears and help them to hear. Because not, if not, friends, you do not have a saving faith. Because our faith causes us to grow in Christ. So will you respond this morning as we sing?